What's up? 6 p.m. service. I'm going to tell you something here. Okay, I'm, going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to prime the pump a little bit, okay? Okay, 9 a.m. service, we had no power, like none. There was no power even coming into the building. We had nothing but battery-powered lights here in the room, and they had the best energy of the day with no power. So I'm expecting more from this service, okay? Because we got power, right? We got lights, we got sound. So I'm expecting more from this service. We want to prime the pump a little bit. If you're new here, uh, my name's Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. So glad that all of you are with us today. That includes those of you uh, who are joining us via video. So as always, if you're watching on Facebook Live or church online, continue hitting that share button there. You're helping us out a ton, uh, spreading the word about what God is doing. And uh, you wouldn't know this if I didn't tell you because our worship team is that good. Uh, but our worship pastor, Pastor Jared, and our worship resident, Brielle, are both out of town today. So the entire worship was led completely by volunteers. They did an amazing job. I think we should show them some honor today. It's awesome. Uh, and they want, they want you to know that band auditions are coming up on Tuesday, May 16th. All the information's on the screens there if you want to write that down, snap a picture of it or whatever. We have a great band and a great worship team, but we're always looking to add people to that. So if you uh, play an instrument or sing and want to audition for the band, uh, stop by the table out in the lobby. Uh, you can ask any of the band members there questions you might have. They have a way to sign up as well. Or you can just go to that, that web link there and get signed up. We'd love to have you uh, audition for the band. Today is week number two in a sermon series that we're calling This Is Us, where we are walking through the core values we have as a church. And each one of these symbols here behind me in our set design correspond to a core value that you might see around the building on all the signs we have uh, throughout the building here with our core values on them. And values, uh, whether, you, whether individually or, or, or corporately, uh, really are what define us. Uh, they, they are guardrails, if you will, that keep us on mission or keep us on point when it comes to following Jesus. That's why, for those of us who do believe, values can't just be the words we say. They have to be the way we live, born out of what we believe because of who our God is. So our prayer, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, which if you don't, we're thrilled that you're here. But our prayer is that when you hear these core values, that you wouldn't just hear them, but you'd see them lived out in our lives, what we stand for, how we minister as a church, that you would be able to say without reservation that this is us. So last week, we talked about the first core value, obedience is our success. That success is not determined by outcome, but by our obedience to God. That our goal is to be faithful to God to the very end, amen? That we may be faithful to our God. And if you weren't here last week, you want to share it or, or catch up on it, uh, you can do that on our church website, elementchurchwy.com. You can download the free app if you want to uh, or listen to the podcast. You can listen to it, share it all from there. I would love for you to do that. Today I want to talk to you about the value of one. Value of one. That one can be a very powerful thing, right? Like this is not a political statement at all, so, so bear with me. It's just an observation. But in the last election, as the election, presidential election night moved on, we began to see the power of one state, right? Like the people on the news would say, whether it's for this candidate or that one, if they win this one state, it can swing the whole election. 
So we saw the power of just one state in an election. In the Super Bowl, we saw the power of one more first down, right? Like if, if, if Atlanta just runs the ball one more time, we don't have to live with the Patriots as champions. Can I get an amen in the church today? Like the world would be a better place. One more first down is all we needed, but I'm not bitter or anything, I'm just saying. So there's power sometimes even in one word, sometimes even in one letter in a word, right? For instance, I'm, I'm all for having mottos in life. People have mottos for their life, and some folks say that their life motto is no regrets. Well, if your life motto is no regrets and you get that tattooed on your body, you better make sure you spell it right, otherwise it's going to be no regerts. <laughs> That's called a regret. <laughs> So uh, any Bon Jovi fans in the house? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of you. Like I'm more of an 80s, 90s Bon Jovi fan before he went from rock and roll to country, but that's another point. Okay, so I'm like living on a prayer kind of Bon Jovi guy. Well, there's a, there's a person who's a, a Bon Jovi fan apparently, and they wanted to get a lyric of his uh, tattooed on their arm, but they got it tattooed by the lesser known artist, John Bovey. Someone pointed, I didn't even see this until this afternoon. Somebody pointed out to me, it's also spelled wrong. It's is my life. That's also called regret right there. <laughs> now, this next one I'm going to show you is the definition of irony. Okay, I, I get it that we have freedom in our country to protest things. And so, again, this is not a political statement at all. But if you're going to protest something, especially what this person's protesting, at least make sure you spell it right. Look at the bottom sign on this. Respect our country. Speak English. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't even know what's wrong with that picture. <laughs> Spelled wrong. O-U-R, not A-R-E. And then uh, I love McDonald's, like I'm a McDonald's french fry addict. I'm trying to eat less fried food, and so if I'm around french fries, I just, I have to eat them. It's just the way it is. Um, and so I'm all for when McDonald's comes out with something new. Never tried this new, I'm not going to read this to you, I'm not going to say it out loud. You read it for yourself, this new thing at McDonald's. Mmm. We're all hungry now. There's power in one letter, right? <laughs> that sign guy is out of a job. So there's power in one. And here's the core value we're looking at today. It plays right along to this. If only for the one. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. If only for the one. We do what we do to glorify him alone, it's God, and to reach out to them alone, those who don't know God. That in everything we do, we want God to receive more glory and more people to be reached with God's grace. That literally, as long as there is one more person within our reach who does not know Jesus, we are not done as a church. We are in this, if only for the one. We actually have a chair here in the room that, that symbolizes this. I think the chair is right here, about five rows back. It's a black chair in the midst of all the red ones. If you can't see it, uh, it's on the screens as well. Uh, but we leave this chair reserved to remind us of this core value. So on it, it says reserved, if only for the one. And then the sign says, this chair is our reminder that every chair represents one more person who's not yet know Jesus. We leave this chair empty, if only for the one. It's our reminder that there's still more people who don't know Jesus. Now, this value is actually straight from the Bible, if you don't know that. 
I mean, not only do we have three parables uh, that Jesus told from Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost uh, sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son, where Jesus said that we should do anything in our power to find one more person who does not know Jesus yet, that, that when one person is, is saved, that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one salvation than over 99 people who are not in need of rescue any longer, that that God rejoices over one more person who is saved. So we have that, but then we also have this amazing letter called 2 Corinthians in the New Testament portion of the Bible, written by a guy named Paul. Now, many of you know that Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't always an apostle. He used to be against Jesus, like hated Jesus, tried to wipe out Christianity by killing Christians, but then Jesus saved him, and he became an evangelist, an apostle, and he wrote this letter to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth. It's recorded here, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. This is where our core value comes comes from says this all of this is for your benefit. And just so you know, he's saying all of this was what he just got done talking about. So, so everything that Jesus has done, his life, ministry, death, resurrection, and everything that Paul and the Corinthian church had done, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Isn't that awesome? That's why when someone gets baptized at Element Church, we go crazy. We celebrate that. Because every baptism is a symbol of God reaching one more person with his grace. And when we celebrate, yes, we are, we are celebrating that person and their boldness to go public with their faith. But more importantly, we are celebrating God and the fact that he reached that person with his grace. And if just one person is reached with God's grace through our church, it's still worth it and God still deserves the glory if just one person is reached. With his grace. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with some of you here in our church and you tell me the story of how God's done something amazing in your life through our church, how he saved you or, or set you free. And I've told some of you this very thing that, that God started this church for you. That if you were the only person this church ever reached, it would be worth it. And God still deserves the glory. We are in this if only for the one. So that's what the core value means. But what does that look like? How will this be fleshed out in our, in our church? Like if this is us, if we are in this if only for the one, what's that look like? And that's the uh, big question I have for you today. What does it look like to live for the one? What's it look like? To live for the one. The main scripture of 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 16. So we're going to kind of, we read verse 15 already. We're going to see all of this, that thing he said, all of this is for your benefit. We're going to read all of that. So if you want to follow along, you can. Uh, you can follow along on the screens as well if you don't have your own Bible. And if you don't own one, uh, we'll give you one for free. Ask for one at guest services before you go. We'll get a Bible in your hands. So a uh, couple of these uh, scriptures are a little bit longer. So uh, really kind of lean in and uh, lock in with the scripture here. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 1, says this. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, 
So what's the new way? If there's a new way, there has to be an old way, right? So if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul just got done talking about the old covenant system among the Jewish people. That no longer are we bound by, by rituals, sacrifices, traditions, and ceremonies from the old covenant. But Jesus fulfilled all of that and gave us a, a new way. That now by faith in Jesus, his death and resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sin, filled with the Holy Spirit, and live the full life today that only he can offer. That the old way brought, life and, or brought, brought death and condemnation, but this new way brings life and freedom. So therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, I love this, we never give up. It's good. We never give up because there's a new way. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. It ties right into our obedience core value. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden for only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. Look at this. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. So we do what we do for the glory of him alone to reach out to them alone. We're in this if only for the one. What's it look like to live for the one? Three things. Here's the first one I see in the first part of this passage. Number one, we preach one thing and we point to one person. We preach one thing and we point to one person. If someone ever asks you, what Element Church is all about. Or maybe you might be wondering what Element Church is all about. Here's your answer. We will always be all about Jesus. We're about Jesus, the life he wants to give in us, the movement he wants to make with us, and the impact he wants to make through us. We are all about Jesus. Even our church logo and our name kind of point to this value. If you don't know, throw the, the logo and our, our church name up there, the logo, the cross with the arrows circling around and pointing to the cross, that represents that everything we do as a church, revolves around Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. The name Element Church, people ask, what does element mean? Is that some, you know, periodic table, church of science? What is that? No, it's not church of science or periodic table. When we started this church, we wanted an easy way to share our faith with people here in the community. And so like many of you have asked, what does that mean? People will say, what does element mean? And here's what it means. We believe. The only thing that can make us into who we are intended to be is the element of Jesus Christ and life in him alone. We will always be all about Jesus. We're about Jesus, okay? So I love what Paul said in verse 5 of the main scripture. He said, we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we preach. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is recorded saying something very similar. So in Acts 20, Paul is summing up his decades of ministry, hundreds of sermons, 13 of the 27 New Testament letters were written by Paul. Paul sums up his entire ministry with this one statement, Acts 20, verse 21. 
I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and trust, turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. I've had one message. Some of you are thinking what I thought when I read that. Wait a minute. I've, I've read the letters that Paul wrote. He, he preached on way more than just Jesus. Like he talked about uh, singleness and marriage and parenting and sexuality and finances and generosity and addiction. I mean, he preached on way more than just Jesus. But here's the thing. He actually didn't. He didn't. And here's why. And here's what I mean. Jesus is the answer to everything. To every issue we have in life, the answer is Jesus. That whatever the subject is, the answer starts with Jesus. And whatever scripture is used, the scripture points to Jesus. Jesus even said that, by the way. So Jesus talking to the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, who most of them memorized the entire Old Testament book, books of the Bible, all of them. Not the names, the verses. They memorized the whole Old Testament. Jesus said this in John 5.39 to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, the Old Testament, because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. That all of the Bible is about Jesus, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of the Bible points to Jesus. And yes, there will be principles and practices that we, that we build around certain topics or we'll learn from certain scriptures, but the foundation has to be Jesus or the walls fall apart. So when we teach on marriage or teach on parenting or teach on sexuality or teach on finances or teach on addiction, we will always start with Jesus because the answer is always Jesus. That no matter the subject or scripture we use, we will always point to Jesus. We do what we do for the glory of him alone. Reach out to them alone. That we're in this if only for the one. So what's that look like to live for the one? Well, we're going to preach one thing and point to one person. His name is Jesus. That's why at the end of sermons about tithing, people get saved. Because the issue isn't tithing, it's Jesus. <laughs> and we teach on marriage, and we teach on parenting, and we teach on whatever subject you pick, and people are finding Jesus. Why? Because it all points to Jesus, all of it. So John or Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 14. And this is, the, this is the lengthiest portion here, so hang with me. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again, but we are not destroyed. I can't help it. It's just natural. Jesus knew it when he wrote it, okay? So I had to break it up. It's a long passage. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Now, here's the kicker. Yes, we live under constant danger of death 
because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. So from that passage, here's the second thing it looks like to live for the one. We will put up with anything to promote the only thing. We will put up with anything to promote the only thing. Paul said, we live under constant danger of death because of Jesus. And Paul, when he said that, was not talking about sickness or disease or problems in this life. That does apply, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. That we live in constant danger of death because of Jesus, but, he said, we continue to preach because we have the same faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. That because I believe, I cannot help but speak about Jesus. Recently, Voice of the Martyrs, who is a, a Christian organization that serves the needs of persecuted Christians around the world, they released a story about a man in India whose name is Sukhdev. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, S-U-K-D-E-V. Sukhdev converted to Christianity about a decade ago from Hinduism, and he now travels around the, the remote parts of India along the Pakistani border, planting churches, baptizing new believers, discipling people in their faith, often walking miles upon miles upon miles to get from rural village to rural village to teach people about Jesus. And even though he often faces persecution for his faith, he said that he knows the need for Hindus to hear about Jesus is greater than his need to stay safe. And so in the article, in the story, Sukhdev said almost the exact same thing Paul said when he quoted the psalmist. So Paul said, we believe in God, so we spoke. Here is word for word what Sukhdev said. Since I have learned the truth, I have to share it. Since I've learned the truth, I have to share it, regardless of what that means for my safety. Now, I know right now, here in Cheyenne, really across all of America, 99.9% .9 of us are not facing death because of Jesus, right? So my goal in this, in sharing this, is not to make us feel guilty. My goal is just to make us aware, to make us ready, okay? I'm going to continue beating this drum as long as I'm your pastor because I feel it's my obligation to prepare us for this. But church, I don't know when it's going to happen. But I know, according to Scripture, Jesus said at one point, the entire world will hate you because of me. So it's coming one day where in our own country, it will no longer be allowed for us to talk about Jesus. It's coming. Not tomorrow, but it's coming. And my question is, when that day comes, if I'm still alive, if we are still alive, will we be able to say what Paul said? I believed in God, so I spoke. Since I've learned the truth, I have to share it. So as long as I'm the pastor here at Element Church, 
When we say we live if only for the one, what we are saying is that regardless of what comes against us, we believe, so we speak. We speak about this Jesus. We will put up with anything to promote the only thing. And listen, the irony of what happened during the 9 a.m. service was not lost on me. Like we, at 8.30, 30, we'd already done our whole run there, 8.30 before service began, all the power in the building went out. If you were in this area of town, you lost power from what I understand as well. And it did not come back on. That would have been very easy to say, oh, we don't have power. Sorry, folks, it's going to cancel church. But we didn't. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're dumb enough just to do this thing. <laughs> and so we brought everybody in the room. We brought kids in here, all the adults. It was literally uh, uh, just a few lights on with, with the emergency battery power. Uh, we, we prayed. We did one song with an acoustic guitar and no microphone. We baptized seven people. Then I preached a message. Hold on, because you're going to clap for the next thing. I preached a message, and then three people received Christ. Yeah. And, and here's what's even, I don't know if this is why God allowed it, but here's what's even cooler. The three people that accepted Christ were three elementary school girls who normally would have been in E-Kids. But because the power was out, they came in here. They heard a message about Jesus, and in a moment, their eternity changed. Now, I'm not saying that's why God allowed the power to go out. I mean, that, that power is like a blip on the radar with what God's concerned with. But all I know is this. We sang it earlier. Our God is an unstoppable God. And if he in this modern day can take a completely train wreck of a morning for what we would consider a real good church day and save three little girls out of it, I can't imagine what it can do if we put up with anything to promote the only thing. So then now we're here to the verse we started with, 2 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16, says this, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there'll be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. And here he says it again. I love this. That is why we never give up. That as God's grace reaches more people, God receives more glory. That's why we never give up. That's why when the power's out, we still have church. And that's why if we're persecuted, we will still preach. So here's the third thing, that it looks like to live for the one. We will reach more people for the praise of our God. We will reach more people for the praise of our God. Recently, the movie Hacksaw Ridge made famous what was otherwise the untold story of a man named Desmond Doss. Doss was a Seventh-day Adventist believer in Jesus who joined the American World War II effort as a conscientious objector. That he wanted to serve in the war as a medic. But because of his firm belief, literally, in the command, thou shalt not kill, he wouldn't even hold a rifle, wouldn't even hold one. So at one point in his basic training, the army tried to court-martial Doss for refusing to complete rifle training. He ended up serving in the war anyway under protection of Congress as a conscientious objector because of his faith. 
And so Doss was assigned to the 77th Infantry Division. He was deployed to Japan, as many young men were, during the Battle of Okinawa. And the initial task of his infantry was to ascend and secure Hacksaw Ridge. It was literally a cliff they had to climb and then secure the battleground at the top. So during the initial fight, uh, both sides, both the Japanese side and the American side, sustained heavy losses. Doss successfully saved several soldiers running full speed into battle, literally dragging out soldiers who were severely wounded on his back, doing it all without a weapon, bare hands, and the medicine that he carried in his bag. So Doss spent the first night of the battle in a foxhole with a wounded soldier. On the second night, he remained on the battlefield alone. The Japanese had, had driven the, the army, the American army, off of the ridge. They had pushed back. The army had to kind of you know, retreat, go off the ridge. They went back to their base camp. I'm not familiar with all the military lingo, so forgive me, but they went back to wherever they were going to regroup, base camp, and they were going to go back the next day to attack the ridge again. But Doss remained at the battlefield alone, refusing to leave those who needed rescue. And throughout that second night, Doss continued to run back into the carnage, risking his own life, carrying out wounded soldiers on his back, some of them Japanese wounded soldiers, lowering them down by rope down the cliff to where there was two other soldiers on post. They would undo the rope, send it back up, and he would run back into the carnage to find more wounded soldiers. I'm going to show us a clip here from the movie Hacksaw Ridge. If you're watching online, I apologize for copyright reasons. We have to shut down the video for this portion. There is one segment of the video that we are, we're blacking the whole screen out because it's just it's too graphic for church and for the young audience that we might have in the room. So one scene's blacked out. It'll come back on. But I want you to listen to one prayer Desmond Doss prayed as he tried to rescue one person at a time. Check out this video. We got you. We got you. Hey, Dad. It's me, it's Desmond. I'm gonna fix you up.
One more. Please, God, help me get one more. Seventy-five men Doss saved. One at a time. And church, this is my prayer. Please, God, would you help us find one more? Just one more. And when you reach that one, God, help us find one more. And when you reach that one, help us find one more. Why? Because we want his name to be more glorified in this city, and we want hell to be less populated from our city. And so we'll find them one by one by one by one. And maybe, maybe today, you are that one. Maybe you're one today. So if you're here today and you have never put your faith in Jesus, the one who literally lived that out for us, running into the carnage of humanity and sin, dying on a cross, the death we deserved, rising from the dead, and then saying, I paid the price for you, and if you'll put your faith in me, I will wipe your slate clean. I'll forgive you of your sins, live in your heart, change you from the inside out, and you can live with me forever. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, today is the day to do that. I'm gonna ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you, if you wanna put your faith in Jesus, please just repeat this prayer after me. Just say it silently, just from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died in my place. He rose from the dead. So Jesus, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. Reign in my heart. Thanks for running into the carnage for me. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. I am yours, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now listen, after first service today, because the lights were off, I couldn't see everybody. So I said, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands. I want you to come out to the lobby. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to just come to me. And all you gotta say is this, I am one. I am one, I am one. So I was out to the lobby, lights were off. We had the daylight, you know, shining in, but up walk uh, a mom with three girls. These three girls walk up and I was like, hey girls, how you doing? I am one, I'm one, I'm one. So if three elementary age girls can acknowledge they receive Jesus and you just prayed that prayer, I think you can too. So I'm gonna give you that chance right now. Not to find me in the lobby, but right now in front of people who love you. If you prayed to receive Jesus as savior of your life, would you lift your hand up, leave it up, say, yep, that's me. Just ask Jesus, come into my heart. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, awesome, praise God. Praise God, I see you, amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. So good. Listen, I got to get you out of here, but I'm so, so proud of you. And if you prayed to receive Jesus today, you are one today. You are the one that we came looking for, that Jesus died for. And we'd love to help you in, in this process. 
So if you'd stop by guest services, ask for a 21 devotional. We wrote it just for you. You got to walk with Jesus. Uh, it'll get you taking some next steps with him. And then if you'd let us know, just mark on your card, on your connection card that you received Christ. I promise you, we won't do anything weird. We're not going to come to your house, offer you cookies, knock on your door, I promise. We just want to celebrate with you and give you some information. So if you'd let us know, that would be awesome. I love you guys. Love you guys. Next week, we're doing this again, baptism, and we're going we're gonna to party again next week. So I hope you come back for that. Let me pray for you. And then Pastor Andy has two quick things. So if you do us a favor and just remain in your seats till we're done. God, you're so good. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for, for salvation. Lord, today you have found lots of ones. There's been some ones today. And we praise you for that. Not just the baptism, but the brand new life that was started. God, we give you praise. Lord, help me, help us to live if only for the one. In Jesus' name, amen.